Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God and it contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're here today. We've got some questions ready to answer for you and uh, we're happy to be with you to study the Bible today. We could take some more of your questions and that's what we do each week is open the phone lines and uh, we always have the website open uh, where we want you to tell us what you'd like us to talk about on Know Your Bible. Uh, this is a program that advocates Bible study, tries to promote Bible study, and uh, hopefully helps people know their Bible better. And we've just found uh, we couldn't decide what we think you need to know, but uh, we found out it's a lot easier just to say, what do you want to know? Uh, what are your questions about the Bible? And we'll try to answer them. So that's the way this program works. Phone number and a website on the screen throughout the program. Uh, write those down. Use them anytime to get in touch with us and tell us what you'd like to know about the Bible. We answer real detailed questions about what's this verse mean or sometimes what this word means uh, in the Bible. What's this doctrine? Uh, is this really in the Bible? Uh, I've heard this. Is that really true? So we get all kinds of questions about the Bible and we get a lot of personal questions about life and family and uh, morals in this country and all kinds of things that people want to know. What's the Bible say about that? We'll try to find you an answer. So give us a call or log on. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Let me introduce Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad you're back today and ready to go with us and uh, studied up and got a few answers. Uh, we always start with a question, though, so see if our viewers know a few things about the Bible. A fellow named Korah in the Old Testament uh, kind of revolted against uh, God, well, against Moses, actually and uh, died kind of a unique death. So how did Korah die is what we're asking today. We'll give you an answer at the end of the program. Well, I drew the first question today, and it's a simple question, simple answer. Do you believe in reincarnation? Simple answer is no. I do not believe in reincarnation. Uh, I can say that pretty carefully and quickly because the Bible doesn't mention reincarnation. Now, that means it's unbiblical if it's not mentioned in the Bible. And something that's just unbiblical is, is possible uh, if the Bible doesn't say anything about it. But this is anti-biblical because the Bible does say something that disproves it. So that's why I'm so confident in saying, no, I don't believe in reincarnation. Not only does the Bible not mention it, it specifically mentions that it's not possible. So let's look at that verse, Hebrews 9 and verse 27. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. So there's the order of things. That's the way the world works. Uh, we come into this world, we're born into it, <clears throat> we're given a spirit by God at, uh, at that time, and uh, we live our life on earth. And we are appointed once to die. We're all going to die. going to happen unless you happen to be here when Jesus comes back. 
but it's appointed to die. After that, the judgment. It doesn't say you come back, get born again, and try it again. <laughs> no recycling in, in human life. Once to die, then the judgment. So that, uh, that settles it. Don't believe in reincarnation. <clears throat> Doesn't happen. <laughs> yep. Good answer. All, All right. right. Second question, a viewer asks, does the Bible say the earth will remain forever? Okay, well, the technical answer to the question is yes, or is a verse that says that. Uh, to read it in context, you have to understand, uh, I mean, you have to read it in context to understand it fully, uh, because in if you just take that verse by itself and look at other verses, it seems like the Bible contradicts itself. So let's start off with, where does the Bible say that? This is not on your screen, but it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4. And Ecclesiastes is, of course, a famous book of wisdom that Solomon wrote. And in chapter 1, verse 4, he said, Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. <clears throat> now, uh, take that by itself. Sounds like earth's going to be here forever, but you have to understand the genre of literature, wisdom literature. Solomon writes in that way to say, uh, give us general truisms and principles of life. Uh, what he's not talking about is, uh, in, in the context when you look at it, he's talking about the relationship of people to the land that they live on. In other words, uh, generations come, generations go, people come, people go. But, you know, the earth, the physical earth, it just remains. And people, you know, it changes hands and ownership and all of that. Uh, but he's not giving an overarching principle saying that the physical earth will always be here. Uh, that would violate other verses of Scripture, like Isaiah chapter 51, verse 6, <clears throat> where Isaiah wrote in, in part of that verse, he said, the earth will wear out like a garment. Uh, <clears throat> and so we know from other places that not only will it wear out, but someday God's going to burn it up. And it's going to be uh, basically very beautiful, very expensive kindling uh, for uh, the final fire. So uh, let's look at a verse on the screen from Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. And there Peter writes, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. And so he's of course, in context, warning us that there's a way we ought to live because there's a coming final judgment and a day when this world will certainly no longer be our home. So, technical answer, yes, but you got to understand the context to understand he's not saying the earth will is an eternal uh, place of habitation. All righty. Uh, interesting question. Viewer wants to know, does your church have a doctrine of faith? Does your church have a doctrine of faith? Well, uh, you can go on a lot of websites, look up a church, a denomination, pick any church out of the yellow pages, and they've probably got a website somewhere. Mm -hmm. And you can go to that, and there's probably a little area there that you can click that says what we believe or doctrine of faith. And you can find a document that lists we believe in all of these things. Uh, you can print that out. You can order it from them probably and get a little booklet or maybe you can download the PDF and have your own doctrine of faith. Uh, so this viewer wants to know, does your church, and this program is sponsored by the Churches of Christ uh, around the area, so Church of Christ is our church, if that's what our viewer means. Uh, do we have a doctrine of faith? And my answer would be yes, uh, in the sense that we call this book our doctrine of faith. Uh, we try to follow this book. We don't have 
written down in so many uh, points or bullet points or so many pages a doctrine of everything that we believe. Uh, you can't download a PDF of our doctrine of faith uh, unless you just pick up a New Testament and start with that. Uh, for that matter, you can't find a website <coughs> for the headquarters of the Churches of Christ. Uh, we mentioned in our closing that Churches of Christ are autonomous, which means each congregation uh, <coughs> rules itself and takes care of its own business uh, by, <coughs> excuse me, by trying to follow this doctrine of faith. Now, some people say, "Well, how does that work? How do you know what you believe?" Well. The Bible is very clear on the basics. Uh, let's read a verse together and uh, then I'll talk about the basics just a little bit. Uh, Jude chapter 1 and verse 3. Jude says to the people he was writing to, he says, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, that's what he wanted, wanted to talk about, he says, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. There he used the term, the faith. I think that's the doctrine of faith uh, that was delivered once for all. It's settled and there's nothing to add to it. We don't get any more revelation from God. <coughs> the faith has been delivered. He said, contend for that. Stand up for it. Fight for it. So, what's the faith? Well, it's the very clear things that the Bible talks about. God exists. Uh, Jesus is His Son. Uh, Jesus died and was buried and was resurrected. He paid for our sins. <coughs> our salvation comes by grace through faith when we obey Him in baptism. The Bible is very clear about those kind of things. Uh, there aren't very many of those big statements of faith, but those are the things that we should contend for, that we believe, uh, that is our doctrine of faith, if you would say. <coughs> now, there are lots of other things in the Bible that we talk about and think about and discuss and maybe agree on and maybe disagree on. Uh, Toby may have one opinion about something and I may have another opinion. That's all right. We love each other and get along. Uh, but the faith, the, the, the standards of faith, are what I would call the doctrine of faith. And yes, we get them out of here. We try to follow this as best we can. May make some mistakes sometimes, but that's what we're trying to do. And we think that's how God intended it. I don't think there's supposed to be a hierarchy that says, here's what everybody believes. So, do we have a doctrine of faith? Yes, but you got to read through the New Testament to find it. Right. Well, and of course, Paul said that Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And so we believe, you know, doctrine of faith, just like you said, uh, that's going to originate from uh, the yep. Word of God. That's so, where we get good, it. Good point. All right, let me talk just a little bit about a good way to study the Bible. The Bible Correspondence Course is some free thing that we'll send to you uh, if you want to learn more about the Bible. It's uh, absolutely free, no charge to you. We pay the postage. And it's a good way to learn the Bible. There's eight lessons in the opening series. Uh, good basic uh, introduction to the Bible. Starts with the Old and the New Testament. Uh, teaches you some of that doctrine of faith that we were just talking about. Some of the important things. And then gives you lots of other information about the Bible. So we're happy to provide that. 
All you have to do is uh, either log on the website or call that phone number and say, I'd like that free course. What we'll do is send you lesson number one, which is about the Old Testament. You see that there on the left. A uh, good basic understanding of the Old Testament. We'll send you that in the mail uh, with a return envelope. You sit down and study it in your own home. Read the Bible that parts that it tells you to and answer a few questions. Uh, send it back. We'll score it for you and return it with lesson number two that gives you a little accountability and uh, helps you keep motivated to keep studying. So good way to study the Bible. Absolutely free of charge. Uh, give us a call or log on and we'll get it started for you. All right, Toby, take off on uh, Old Testament. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> probably one that people get confused about when they hear us answer questions, and uh, we'll go ahead and, and answer it. <laughs> Where do you get that Old Testament laws are not in effect? Where is that in the Bible? Well, I imagine we've answered some questions where people have uh, uh, asked us about something that's in the Old Testament or a verse that's in the Old Testament. And uh, usually as part of that answer, we'll say, well, of course, now this was in, under the Old Covenant. And what we mean by that, a covenant is a, 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 an arrangement between two parties. And the Old Testament was written specifically to the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, as God was in covenant with them. And uh, the Old uh, Covenant, the Old Testament, of course, gives us the entire picture of God's perfection. There are over 600-some laws uh, in in there, and it's God's absolute standard of holiness and righteousness, and uh, that was the law under which the people were to live, and it had laws regulating uh, not just worship, but everything from how to live with one another and rules for uh, hyg personal hygiene and dietary laws, all sorts of laws and restrictions. And in Christ, we live under a new covenant, and the reason is that Jesus was the only person who ever perfectly kept all those laws. And when he did, when he died on the cross, his death was a perfect substitutionary death. And therefore, when we're in the Christian covenant, we're under the new covenant, which means we don't live under the old covenant and the old laws. Now, the problem is that some people have certain laws that they kind of like, they really like to pull out, but the only place that they can find them is in the Old Testament. And so they latch on to one or two they'd like and uh, try to enforce those on and, and put them on people today. But the problem is we are New Testament Christians, and you can try to keep the old law if you like, but you can't just choose one or two. I mean, if you're going to keep it, uh, you better keep it, uh, the whole thing. And so uh, we, we do believe the Old Testament, not that we don't think any of it's untrue, it's just that we don't believe it's binding on those who are in Christ today. So we live uh, and, and worship and, and uh, abide by the, covenant, uh, the, the new covenant, uh, basically what you find from Matthew to the book of Revelation. And we learn a lot of lessons from the Old Testament, wonderful principles that we can learn and uh, things that we can uh, live by, but they are certainly not binding in the sense that they're something that we must live under today. Christ fulfilled that standard. Um, got some verses for you, a couple that uh, I'm going to reference that are not on the screen, then one for you on the screen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, it's not going to be on your screen, but it, specifically this is a verse that says, Paul said, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, in other words, the laws that we couldn't keep, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. 
So see, if you're in Christ, the old laws, the old expectations of 100% holiness uh, are, are nailed to the cross. Jesus becomes our holiness, and so we don't have to keep those laws anymore. Uh, of course, accepting if they're repeated in the New Covenant, we've got to abide by those uh, uh, expectations there. Now, this one is on your screen. I believe it's from Romans chapter 7, verse 6. Paul writes, But now we are released from the law, having died to which that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And uh, you can read the full chapter of Colossians chapter 2 and, and the full chapter of Romans chapter 3 and, and see very clearly that we're not bound under <coughs> the uh, old laws of uh, the old covenant today. Correct. Correct. All right. Let's talk about the Lord's Prayer a little while. The viewer wants to know, should we use the Lord's Prayer today? Well, I know what the viewer is talking about, although the Bible doesn't call it the Lord's Prayer. It's something that over the years we've decided to call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's not really the Lord's Prayer, and I think I can explain that in uh, by just reading it or reading the context. Uh, Luke chapter 11 is one account of it. <clears throat> Listen to what the first verse of Luke 11 says. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, so here's the story. The disciples watched Jesus. He went off and prayed all the time. And they could tell that that was good for him. That gave him strength. That helped him. Uh, he got answers to his prayers. Uh, they knew that that was good somehow. So they said, well, teach us how to do that. We'd like to know how to pray. So verse uh, 2, he said to them, when you pray, pray like this. And then he recited what we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, on and on, thy kingdom come, etc. Now, when I say it's not really the Lord's Prayer, I'm making a fine point there that it's really the disciples' prayer. Because they said, we want to learn how to pray. He said, well, pray like this. So it's their prayer, or I think even a better term for it maybe is it's a model prayer. I don't think Jesus intended uh, all of his followers to pray nothing except repeating this prayer over and over. Uh, I don't think he meant this is the prayer, this is what you pray all the time, uh, anytime. He's just saying here's a way to pray, here's a model. And what he did in the model prayer was he put all the kinds of things that we would put in a prayer. He praises God, he thanks God for his, our daily bread, he asks God uh, to protect us. So you follow that model. Uh, and he lists all the good things that we should, could and should pray for. So it's a model prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. Uh, I think the qu answer to the question is, should we use it today? I think, first of all, we need to understand part of it is wrong, or not wrong, but it's outdated. Uh, <clears throat> he taught them to pray, thy kingdom come. Well, his kingdom has come. Uh, when he died on the cross and was resurrected, his kingdom began then. So his kingdom is here. Uh, so if we want to pray this prayer exactly, we might, to be sure we're right, we might want to change that little phrase to, uh, may thy kingdom increase, may thy kingdom grow, something like that. But it's already here, so we can't pray for it to come. So make sure we're praying the right thing. And then secondly, uh, should we use it today? 
uh, I think it's not good practice to make it a rote prayer uh, that we just recite all the time without thinking about. And that's what happens with rote prayers when you have a prayer that you're just supposed to recite all the time. You start to forget what it means. You just say it automatically. I don't think that would be good. <clears throat> Reciting the Lord's Prayer together sometimes might be good as long as we're concentrating on uh, what the words mean and all that. Uh, but without thought, without thinking through it, no, it doesn't do any good just to repeat the prayer over and over again. So should we use it today? Uh, nothing wrong with repeating the Lord's Prayer as long as we really think about the words, as long as we make sure we correct that one little part that's uh, been fulfilled already and use it. But it's just a model. We're supposed to pray from our heart, tell God what we want, uh, thank Him for what we have, be very specific about it. Uh, don't restrict yourself to just a little model prayer that he gave one time. All right, Church Christ uh, provides this program for you, and we like to mention that each week and uh, say something about some of the churches that sponsor this program and keep us on the air today. Let me talk about one over in uh, Hutchinson, Kansas, uh, the Eastwood Church of Christ. If you live in central Kansas and ever get through Hutch on a Sunday or a Wednesday, stop in and visit the folks there at Eastwood. A great group of folks, uh, preachers Jimmy Ray Mead, and I know you'd enjoy hearing him preach the gospel. Uh, they're very supportive of Know Your Bible, have been one of our supporters since the very beginning, way back <clears throat> when we started this program, and we appreciate them and all they do for the kingdom. So uh, drop in, visit them sometime. Maybe if you live in Hutch, you know somebody that attends the Eastwood Church of Christ there. Maybe you work with one of them. Uh, just tell them you were watching Know Your Bible the other day and uh, saw that they sponsor it. And you appreciate it. Thanks for keeping us on the air. Uh, or if you're looking for a church home, drop in and visit the folks at Eastwood sometime or any Church of Christ near you. You'd find a group of people that think and study about the Bible a lot like we do here on Know Your Bible. So visit the Church of Christ sometime. All right, Toby, you got a wine question here. Yep, they're not whining, but they have a question about wine. Uh, they, they ask the question, is the uh, wine in the Bible alcoholic or not? Some people use this as an, as an excuse to drink. I'm confused. <laughs> well, it can be a confusing subject. To answer the specific question, is wine in the Bible alcoholic? I think probably it was. But I do think that uh, modern <laughs> distillation and fermentation pro pro processes uh, make today's uh, wine and alcohol much, much stronger uh, than it was uh, back when it was just done naturally. And so uh, we read in the story, like, you know, of course, Noah infamously got drunk in Genesis chapter 9. So he planted a vineyard and he uh, harvested in the, 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 he, the wine from the harvest of that and he got drunk off that. So obviously it was alcoholic at some level where he either drank enough or strong enough that he was able to get drunk. Um, the Bible, specifically as a subject, uh, warns very strongly against alcohol. It calls it a poison, uh, a restless evil, and it's something that many people have been tripped up with. Uh, it never gets so far as to say you can't take a drink, but it just warns very, very, you know, in as strong a language as it can, it says stay away from it. And of course, it absolutely condemns drunkenness. 
um, that people um, get drunk. And the problem there is, of course, not only poisoning your body, but you're losing control. You're giving up control to the alcohol. So alcohol is a poison. Uh, causes you to lose your inhibitions and your self-control, and generally good to just to stay away from it. Um, but if you're looking for a thou shalt not verse, you, you won't find one. Uh, but it, it does condemn uh, uh, drunkenness very strongly. Let's look at some verses from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Uh, there it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And from Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29 through 32, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try those who go to try mixed wine do not look at wine when it is red when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly in the end it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder stings like uh, a viper so it's very clear that we ought to stay away from it if we can and uh, sorry it's so confusing but <laughs> that's what the Bible does say that's what it says alright question about uh, being in court is it alright to swear in court. Well, I assume they're referring to swearing in and uh, putting your hand on the Bible and promising to tell the truth or swearing to tell the truth. Uh, and my answer to that is, number one, you don't have to. If it really bothers you, if you think you shouldn't uh, for some reason, and I'll give you the verse in a while that makes people think they shouldn't, uh, the court will allow you to affirm. I think you can tell the judge that I prefer not to swear. Uh, I'd like to affirm that I will tell the truth, and I think they'll allow that. Uh, as far as I know, they're still accepting that. Uh, but on the other hand, the verse that we usually use that way, I don't think it means you can't swear to tell the truth in court. Let's look at the verse, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 33 through 37 is the whole context. You can read all of it. But the little verse that we usually take says, uh, Jesus said, But I tell you, do not swear at all. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Don't swear at all. Okay. If you read the context, what he's talking about is the, the Pharisees and the leaders had come up with this huge system of oaths uh, that was so complicated, nobody could tell if you were telling the truth or not. Uh, they made up rules and regulations that if you swear by the temple, uh, that doesn't count. And if you swear by the gold of the temple, that does count. And if you swear by Jerusalem, uh, that counts. And I can't—I don't know all the details, but they had all these rules and regulations so that you could swear by Jerusalem and you wouldn't really have to be telling the truth. So what Jesus says is, don't do that. If you mean yes, just say yes. If you mean no, just say no. You don't need to swear and make up all these oaths about about everything you say. Just let people trust you and know that you're honest. So that's what he's saying. Now, when a Christian goes to court uh, to swear on the Bible that I'm going to tell the truth, the only responsibility that I, I have then is I better tell the truth. Uh, but if it bothers you, just tell the judge and he can let you affirm that you're going to tell the truth, I believe. All right, trivia question. Let's make sure we get that answered today. And that was uh, about the death of Korah, if I remember. How did Korah die? Uh, Korah uh, was swallowed up by the earth. A really strange story, but you can look that up back in Exodus. Korah started a revolution, a revolt against Moses and Miriam and their leadership and Aaron. And God didn't take kindly to that revolt. 
he opened up the earth and swallowed Korah and his fellow revolters. So that's what happened to him. We're done with time today, but we'll invite you to be back next week with us on Know Your Bible. Till then, have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.